You're listening to I Hate the Fins. I believe this is our 14th episode with the Finsider Podcast Radio Network. There are several other shows on that platform. Obviously, we're one of them. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Keith. I'm with my usual co-host, Zach, Zachary Cintron. I'll bring him on in a second. Uh, we haven't been able to do this for a couple of weeks. I had some stuff come up. I live in the Midwest. Uh, the weather here lately has been absolute trash. So I put this up on Twitter. I think it was yesterday. Um, so my life has pretty much been reduced to I work and then I shovel snow. And it's not supposed to snow or I learned that it's not supposed to snow when it's near zero, but it has been here. So clearly we defy that logic. And now today it was negative 25 this morning. That's without wind chill. I think with, with wind chill, it was like negative 53 or something. So you don't even want to go outside. It's terrible. It hurts. And tomorrow's going to be a low of negative 29, I think. So Midwest life is not the best life right now. Uh, Zach is cold out there too. So um, I don't want to make it sound like I'm the only guy here. Um, all right. So since we last m- did this, since we met up, Brian Flores expected next coach for the Miami Dolphins has continued to add guys to his staff and just looking at some of the additions he's made how do you feel about the guys that he's brought in because it's it's an interesting slate but I I like it I like the where he's gone but I'm interested to get your take on it yeah I think it's a good group um I can't remember everyone's names off the top of my head and I didn't I didn't pull the names either. Um I think the linebacker coach from uh the Packers is coming Patrick in. Patrick Graham. Patrick Graham. Um to be the DC, right? He's taken over full DC. Yeah, that's expected. Yeah, and I, I think that's gonna be a nice spot for him. Um I think he did a really nice job. The Packers always seem to have good inside linebacker play um no matter who's in there i think it recently it's been blake martinez i love and that yeah he, he he was really nice out of stanford um it was blake martinez and last name is ryan i can't remember his first jake name ryan. from michigan yeah jake ryan um so i mean those guys have done well um you know their outside linebackers have been perry and matthews for God knows how long at this wow. point, but you know, they, they're always at least good. Um, even though they're kind of aging and have lost that pizzazz there. Um, so I think he's going to be a nice get. Um, and then the receiver coach from the Pats is coming in as the OC, right? Yeah. O'Shea. O'Shea. Yep. Um, yeah. O'Shea, O'Shea, I mean, hell, they always have receivers that nobody else wants and they turn out to be great guys. So, Imagine what he might be able to do with receivers that are actually good. Yeah, I mean, you gotta if you're gonna play for the pass, you gotta run the full route tree. I mean, and he, <laughs> I mean that's just. I mean, it sounds so simple, and I talk about it every year because I consider one of my few strengths. And if I'm gonna watch college tape and and look at guys and try to prognosticate what what they're capable of doing at the next level, one of the groups I I tend to have more success with than than any other is receiver and i've gotten emails from people before they're like well how do you do that i have a difficult time scouting that position and it's really not that hard i mean if 
it it's more of a risk if you're looking at and we talked about this before the big bodied guys who maybe have they have good speed maybe they're they're strong leapers but if you can't run the full route tree and you can't run it with a certain level of precision um and and disguise really in how you're tempoing your routes you're going to be easy to figure out at the next level for i mean you're everyone defensive back in the NFL give or take is an outs what you know a guy that was outstanding at the college level or a guy who managed to transcend the college level in their ability so i mean if you're going to go there and you're playing against these professionals you got to be able to run the full route tree and that's something i think people tend to it frustrates a lot of fans it frustrates a lot of dolphins fans i know because you watch the patriots and you got guys like julian edelman or chris hogan or danny amandola when he came there you know he had an injury riddled career playing in st louis and people are like you know how is this guy going to hold up? And all of a sudden, he's just a, a third down chain moving machine for for New England. And people are like, well, what the hell? I mean, they all, they're all strong route runners. They're all deceptive. They're all smart football players. I guess you should underline the word smart. So hopefully, you know, some of that rubs off on, you know, and all of these, these uh, hirings are um, tentative, of course, because, I mean, nothing's solidified yet. but. If that guy's able to come over there, I mean, you have to imagine that that's a get, and hopefully the emphasis is made on we want smart football players here. Sorry, that was a bit of a rant, but. No, I think that's 100% on, too. Um, and not to to fall too much into to draft talk here, but I think a guy that if they decide, um, we assume that Devontae Parker's probably out of the picture there. Um, but I think the, a guy that if they consider going after a wide receiver at any point in this class could be um, our Sega Whiteside from mm-hmm. Stanford. Yeah. Because I think he checks all those boxes that you just talked about. And weirdly enough, he's a relatively big body guy. Like when you don't watch a lot of tape of him, he reminds you of Alshon Jeffrey. He's just that kind of box you out, beat you kind of guy. But I've gone back and watched a little here or there of him. And he runs some really nice routes, so he might be closer to Keenan Allen than he is to um, Alshon Dre- Jeffrey. Yeah, and I don't know if you and I were really talking much when Keenan Allen was coming out of Cal, but he was a receiver where, I mean, people were concerned about the you know the injuries and whatnot. Would he be able to hold up playing at the NFL level? But he's a great um, mention there in that he's just a smart, in addition to being a really talented receiver, He's very intelligent, too. Like, I mean, savvy is probably the best word there. And people always talk about, you know, Jerry Rice when, you know, testing prior to the NFL draft, um, I think in 1985, you know, didn't run a great time. And people, then you look at, I mean, the greatest receiver to, to ever play the game, and I don't believe it's close. And, there, I mean, there's a lot. First of all, just played faster on game day, sure. But the thing is, Jerry Rice and in addition to having just outstanding hands, uh, underrated speed, you know, great athleticism, incredible work ethic, just also the savviest player I've ever seen, especially at the at the receiver position, just always knowing a defensive back's tendencies, always running precise routes, always knowing how to leverage against defensive backs and just using it against them. I mean, just a, a sharp dude. So I'm all again, I just I mean, this is an emphasis. I love 
smart football players, I hope that this team starts placing an emphasis on it. And that's not to say I want to, because Julian Elliman's an ass. I mean, that guy is so annoying. And I mean, the the beard is over the top. The tattoos are stupid. You know, and I mean, like, he's just kind of like, he's kind of like Tom Brady's hype man, I feel like, at this point. You know, he's just always behind him, just always acting irritating and everything. But the thing is, is that guy gets open, especially on third down. He's tough to jam. He gets off the line quick. There's a lot of little things that go into playing the receiver position, playing it well. So I love the Arcega Whiteside mention. I think that guy is, he actually might be, in my opinion, one of the more underrated guys coming out, um, period. I think I don't think enough, enough people are talking about that dude. But again, th- I mean, this all comes back to I love the Keenan Allen comp because Keenan Allen is a smart player. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that he's getting a lot of love because Stanford was a well, Stanford's never sexy. One, um, but two, they were they offense. were yeah, but they're a pro offense. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. But. But, you know, this year they weren't good either in a bad Pac-12 South. Um, so it was hard to kind of to justify that. Um, and they've kind of been in QB spiral zone um, since Andrew Luck. So, you know, they've had a guy or two here or there. Um, Kevin Hogan was solid, but they haven't had a real guy to spin the ball. And they've always had those tight ends that have kind of be- been their main receivers. Um, and they run the heck out of the ball, but because of Bryce Love's injury and not playing super well this year, um, they had to toss the rock around a little bit more, and our singer Whiteside definitely benefited. Um, you know, there's some good game film out there of him. They were briefly like a tight end you, and they were spitting yeah. out some really good guys. Obviously, Ertz heads up that class, but even dudes who were a little bit more nondescript at the time, like Levine Toilolo, has has mm-hmm. ended up having a really good career. Uh, Austin Hooper, he's Stanford, right? I think he is. Yep, Hooper um, Stanford. I just had a brain, a mini brain thing where I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I don't want to put out <laughs> bad, you know, uh, non facts. But I mean, yeah, just throwing. And Austin Hooper was a steal for Atlanta. And his, yeah, his, oh, well, I mean, go ahead. And there's another one coming out this year, Caden Smith. Yeah. Um, and again, he's another guy that'll probably be. Best case scenario, late day two, probably close to early day three. Um, so, you know, if you believe in that Stanford tight end system and what he could become in a year or two, maybe, then he, he's another guy that might be worth the investment. Yeah, I like them Stanford tight ends. Iowa will steal the um, the tight end conversation this year. But, um, yeah. I mean, just Stanford's just – and Stanford, for a while there, I – was so interested in a lot of the offensive linemen they were spitting out and unfortunately a lot of those guys didn't work out but some of the obviously david de castro did and and has had a great career with pittsburgh is still just playing guard at a high high level outstanding and then you had the the more unusual fits like when new orleans drafted andrus pete andrus pete has been mm-hmm. pretty good for them outside of he was abysmal in that championship game he just had a ton of penalties, but um, you know, a guy who was a tackle at Stanford is an enormous dude. And yeah, you know, dude's dude's closer to six eight than he is to six six. Oh, he's giant! I remember like when he was at the combine, the, the size of his legs—they were like redwoods. Yep. <laughs> they were. Yeah. It was almost laughable. They were huge, and he's playing left guard. 
you know so because yep. i mean he's not gonna um with uh armstead locking i mean when he's healthy and he's had his his bumps and everything but i mean the thing about tron armstead is because he's arkansas pine bluff right yeah okay and yeah. I, I remember and he had like the stupid 40 at the draft or at the excuse me the combine and people were like oh who is this guy and they started to talk about him and then to his credit chris early duke uh was a huge fan of tron armstead and was like yo yo For sure yo dude we need to get this guy and then tron armstead has just been because i mean at that point new orleans with their left tackle had been jermon bushrod who is, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously a non-sexy guy uh, at a non-sexy group, really, when you get down to it. But, I mean, absolutely held it down, you know, wins the Super Bowl. So, um, it just and New Orleans line is, in my opinion, when they're healthy, it's the best in the league. So, um, definitely a lesson to be learned there. And that because, I mean, they stole Max Unger from from Seattle in that, that <laughs> trade. I was just going to say, remember when they traded Jimmy Graham for Max Unger? And everyone and everyone killed him for it because they thought that Graham was the bigger prize, and Max Unger is just a perennial Pro Bowl center. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, they killed it in that one. And then through free free agency, they got Warford at right guard, I believe, and then I, and they ha- already have the right, best right tackle in the league, and Ryan Ramchick was another guy I was uh. a, a big fan. We always talk about Wisconsin offensive lineman on, on the show, and the funny thing is that guy was, in my opinion, not a slam dunk. Because people, number one, weren't sure where he's going to go in terms of position, and also in the draft, um, I, I believe that he wasn't. Um, he he was quite uh, elusive in terms of workouts prior to the combine, if I, if I recall right. Like he wasn't going to do certain mm-hmm. things. I'm just going based off memory here. So you really couldn't get a read on him because there were some medical issues and whatnot. But he's just been. He's been nothing but outstanding for those guys. So, and the funny thing is, they wanted. Remember, they were on the phone with Reuben Foster, and then Ru- yeah. Reuben Foster hung up on him because San Francisco traded up. So, I mean, who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah, good for them. Good for the Saints. Yeah, well, that's like one of the few things to go right for them in terms of what we're talking about this week. Uh, we'll get to that in a second too, because that's something we can rant about. And I don't want to go totally off the rails here but i mean we're kind of we got a freeform discussion going on so we'll do what we want bringing it back though um i so far so good with brian flores staff um it's cool and it's it's refreshing some of the names that he's bringing in there i am a big fan of patrick graham and as you mentioned uh green bay's linebacker core has been impressive for a long time and got, you know, and has gotten a lot of my, I mean, Blake Martinez, we're talking about Stanford dudes, Blake Martinez in there as well. Uh, n- not really a, a, a sexy prospect, you know, I mean, nothing about him just jolts you in terms of what he was a tackler though. Like yeah. when he was coming out, like all he did was make tackles at Stanford. When he got drafted, what did people ask him to do? Make tackles. Yeah. That's it. Just, just go make tackles. You just, you know, you, you know, he takes his lunch pail and he goes to work and he's outstanding at it. I mean, he's a big hitter too, but I mean, within yeah. reason. So go on. And I mean, like it's, it's, I think Graham is also important too. Cause not only was he the linebackers coach, um, but when we were talking about uh, Richard coming in as potentially head coach, he was instrumental as the run game coordinator in um, 
in for the Packers there. And the one guy that had a really great year under him as the run game coordinator was uh, Kenny Clark yeah. up front too. Um, and I think I think I put this out on Twitter at some point too with Graham coming in. With him coming in, I guess it also depends on what kind of system the Dolphins are going to run. Um, I mean, we're moving away from a, a lifestyle of do you run a 43-34 because half the time you're in a 4-2-5 or a 3-3-5 at this point. Right. Um, but I mean, I could see them really going towards a guy like Dexter Lawrence. Um, you know, I think him and Kenny Clark are very similar. I think Dexter Lawrence has way more upside, though. Um, does that mean Dexter Lawrence at 13? Maybe, maybe not. I think it could swing either way on Dexter Lawrence. You know, the last guy that we saw with that skill set was Vita Vea. And he went top 15. Um, you know, people will try to sell you all the time that you nobody's going to take a, a two-down run stuffer that's that size anymore. Um, but the thing is, is he, Lawrence gets face pressure. And if there's one person that really hates face pressure in this league, it's Tom Brady. Um, and if there's one person that knows that Tom Brady hates that, it's Brian Flores. Yep. Um, so at the end of the day... I would not be surprised to connect those dots back to um, Graham and Lawrence in the run game and different guys that they might look to bring in. No, dude, pocket pushers are are a big deal. Look at I, I honestly think the Saints probably go to the Super Bowl if Sheldon Rankin stays healthy. I think he he had True. he had that kind of impact, and I mean, like he's a guy where I mean they collapse from from the top. Honestly, the Rams do the same thing. The Rams don't have much of an edge rush going outside of Dante Fowler. You know, I mean, those guys are all about they just smash the pocket from the top. And I mean, it's easy to do so when you got Aaron Donald and, and Dominican Sue in there and Michael Brockers. It's like an embarrassment of riches in terms of guys who are defensive end slash defensive tackles. So um, and I agree. Like, I mean, if you're bringing in Brian Flores, he knows that the medicine to, if you're going to if you're going to start against Tom Brady. You, you gotta he's so good at climbing the pocket that i mean it's not enough to have strong edge rushers if you can't if you can't get face pressure if you can't push the middle so dexter and the funny thing about defensive tackles of of dexter lawrence's size and statures those dudes used to always go at, you know after round one you think about guys like remember like jamal williams and casey hampton and all those like classic uh, even though those guys were technically noses, but I mean, Dexter Lawrence is no size. He's enormous. So, um, they, but the thing is now, I mean, you talk about like Vita Vey, these guys move like cats, you know? I mean, like it's not your Terrence Cody, your, your sluggish dude who's you, you Mount know, Cody. Yeah. Terrence Mount Cody. I mean, it's not like that anymore. So, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is, a guy, I, the biggest question he's going to have to answer is why weren't you playing in your team's last two games? You know, what, what, yeah, what, so. yeah. What what caused those suspensions and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, while we're while we're on DTs right now, um, another conversation that we had that we can throw out there is um, there was somebody on Twitter. I don't want to say it was Albright, or I don't want to give somebody grief that it necessarily wasn't them, but somebody said that they could see Ed Oliver moving the linebacker potentially nah. based on his size, which, which was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But we had a conversation about, you know, if 
if Ed Oliver, you know, falls a little bit, if he ends up in Miami, what could he do? Um, I mean, like if you get Ed Oliver, I don't care if he's 274 pounds, 283 pounds, like 295 pounds. I don't care where he falls in there, but like he could easily be uh, a one gap three tech on pass rushing downs. And then if you want on like straight up running downs, put him as like a, a five, like an outside five look. You know, he's a guy that will just cause havoc no matter where you put him. Um, and I think that that five end makes a lot more sense than freaking linebacker. What, like like LeVon Kirkland linebacker? I don't really get that because LeVon Kirkland was what, like 290-some? <laughs> that guy was Yeah, huge. something stupid. Yeah, I mean that's like when they used to play Quentin Copels at times inside for the Jets. Like, like they'd play him on the edge or they'd move him inside. Like, that was ugly, super ugly. Yeah, I mean the thing that Copels had going against him is that I I always thought he was just going to be a strong side defensive end, and then I mean you had people pretty much trying to to rewrite his story right off the bat. Like, oh no, like this guy might be an edge rusher. It's like no, he's not. I mean, like he was, yeah, he was a no, talented no. guy at, at Carolina, but there was a certain skill set that I think. And part of the thing that didn't work for him is he gets drafted by a Jets team. That's a three, four. That, that was a heavy three, four team. You're talking about now how there's a lot of permutations of defense. They were a three, four. Yeah, like, I, there, there's like, there's nothing. did they play nickel? <laughs> no, I mean, that was all. I mean, because he had Darrell Revis back there. You know, I think that was when they still had like Jim Leonard as their their safety. Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. Great defensive coordinator, though. Oh, yeah. Great defensive coordinator. <laughs> and I mean, because I mean, their their linebackers were still, uh, you know, they had um David Harris, um Ben Scott, yeah, Scott and, and Harris and Bart, Bart Scott. Um, for a second there, I was was also thinking about the fact that it's funny that the best rushing guy they had there during Rex's time was Calvin Pace. I mean, nothing, Calvin Pace, yeah, and nothing against Calvin Pace. I mean, like he was a good. I always thought he would have been a good number two guy, but I don't know. So I mean, but no, what the whole point there is? I mean, there is no permutation or augmentation with that team's front. I mean, what you get is absolutely three down linemen, four linebackers. So, um, and he gets into a situation. I think it had he gone to a team that understood his ability and understood that his best fit was in four down linemen. I think he would have been better off, but I mean, alas, that's, that's how it works. So, um, defensive tackle and you, you were messaging me about this earlier today, defensive tackle. If you need one this year and you're and you're the dolphins, you're sitting at 13, you could very well get Ed Oliver. All it takes is a couple of risers. I mean, like you have to assume like Devin white's going to get some teams all hot and bothered. Because you know teams love that that blend of speed and and um, overall linebacker linebacker uh, skill and intelligence that he has. I mean, he he it, to me looks pretty close to the total package on there with maybe a, a ward or two. But I mean, I think you're gonna the quarterbacks will always rise. I don't care what anyone says. I remind everyone of the 2017 draft where in January. Uh, you had guys like McShay going out there and saying he didn't have any quarterbacks with a first-round grade. And then you have three quarterbacks drafted there, and the teams all traded up for them. So, I mean, quarterbacks will always rise. It's a quarterback-driven league. 
So people can talk about Daniel Jones dropping out of the first round all they want. I don't believe it. Um, people are like, I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to go in the first round. I, I will be shocked if he does not. Uh, we've already talked about guys like Drew Locke. It sounds like Denver's all about him. We'll see if that's just BS or if there's something to that. But all that's to say that, I mean, you got guys out there who could move up. And as a result, guys like Ed Oliver could drop. I mean, you were talking about Wilkins earlier today. And I mean, he looked, I mean, th- that, as we mentioned during our last show, that guy couldn't have helped himself anymore during that championship game. He was just an absolute demolisher for that Clemson front. And Alabama had no answer for him. It looked like Alabama wanted nothing to do with him. And it's just so funny because you think you think going into that game that, man, these guys could really use Dexter Lawrence. I don't even know what it would have looked like if Dexter Lawrence were in there that night. I'm interested to think because Clemson's defensive line was already just an absolute wrecking crew. You know, and they were minus, you know, arguably, depending on how you look at it, maybe their best player, depending on depending on how or how much emphasis you place on the defensive tackle position, as opposed to, you know, the the defensive ends they have there in uh, Farrell and Bryant. So. I don't know. Yeah, and I think the crazy part is, is probably like the top five guys for defensive tackle this year can all play like zero to five tech, if not like zero to nine, which is crazy. Like, you know, Christian Wilkins can obviously do all of that. Um, We talked about Ed Oliver being able to do that. Uh, Quinn and Williams can obviously do all of that. Um, The one that we haven't talked about, um, and we'll, I don't know if we'll get into it on this show, uh, but Justin or Simmons, um, Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. Um, and then, I mean, there's there's maybe one or two other guys, but like four dudes that could go top 15 that are all technically defensive interior guys that could play zero to five, if not zero to nine. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, the range is out there. I mean, there's nothing classic or old school about these guys. You know, I mean, like they're they're high level chess pieces at this point. And Ed Oliver is a great example of that. He's not a guy that you you look at him and think like, okay, I have to plug him in at this spot. That's not the case. So it's exciting. Do you really quick um, want to talk about maybe we haven't touched too much on the, the senior bowl. And honestly, with the way the weather was here this week and just getting prepared for everything, I didn't have any time to watch the senior bowl or anything about it. I did get some of the, the highlights and lowlights fed to me when I was reading stuff on Twitter and and reading some articles but you maybe want to give for the Dolphins specifically like a riser and a faller after Senior Bowl weekend um so I didn't get to see Senior Bowl either um we both had crazy ends to our week last week too on top of the weather um there is I will say that there is actually a, a full game replay that you can find on YouTube um past couple years that hasn't happened but somebody got it up there, so at some point I will sit down and watch that. Um, but so I think guys, the good guys that went to this were good, which is nice. Because um, sometimes you see some big names um, and, and they just don't do what they need to do against competition that's probably a little below them, if not just kind of on par with them. Uh, but I think guys like uh, Montez Sweat, Dalton Risner, um uh Zach Allen, 
all those big name kind of guys, they went, they did what they needed to do. Um, Drew Locke looked good. Um, you know, so the names did what they needed to do. And then there were some, some pleasant surprises there. Um, one guy that I heard a lot about that I knew a little about coming in, um, but hadn't seen a lot was Rocky Sin, who's the corner from Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had a really good week, supposedly. And he's a guy that's like probably going to measure in closer to 6'1 than 6'2, probably 190, 195. But that's like the prototype. That's what people are looking for at this point, you know. Um, if you're if you're looking for uh, a second round version of Greedy Williams, then go that route because he's got ten more pounds than Greedy Williams, and he's a lot more physical and, and um, a cooler name. So to... he had a yeah, Rockison. That's that's an awesome name. <laughs> um, who else? Andre Dillard. Um, I wasn't buying all the Andre Dillard stuff because the Mike Leach system is like the ball is in Gardner Menchu's hands and out of Gardner Menchu's hands in like 12 seconds. Um, not even 12 seconds, like 12 milliseconds. Like right. it's gone. Um, in that air eight system, it's either a bomb down the field or he hits somebody, you know, on a screen. Um, but he looked really good. Like he did more than hold his own this week in, in mobile. So, um, he's probably a guy that with, a an iffy tackle class um, where there's a lot of unknowns, you know, is Greg little worth a first round pick Um, is Jonah Williams, even actually a legitimate tackle at the next level. There's people that are saying that he could be a, a Brandon Sharif or Brandon Sheriff. Yeah. What's his name for? uh, Yeah. I'm I'm mixing up his last name with uh, Sharif Floyd's first name. Um, but so, you know, there's guys like that that supposedly had good weeks, but at the end of the day, I didn't get to put my eyeballs on a lot of it. So, you know, I'm not going to say anybody definitively did anything just reading reports online. I don't know if it's just a hype team or whatever, but I've seen some people trying to put out there that they think Andre Dillard is the best tackle in this class. So, mm-hmm. just food for thought. It's always interesting because when you see people trying to float things, you wonder, is it, are they trying to, to drive that guy's stock or are they merely commenting on what they've seen? So I don't know. The tackle class is interesting. Jonah Williams is going to be an interesting guy because you don't know. There's some people who want to pop him into to a guard. Dalton Risner had a great week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's talks where, I mean, he's kind of got that Cody Whitehair thing going on where yep. people are like, yeah, he's definitely not going to play tackle. But I mean, do we put him at guard or center? And I didn't. I mean, I understand. No, he 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 can legitimately play tackle. Like we are going to have way more of our conversation that we had about Jack Conklin with him than Cody Whitehair conversation. He'll pop into right um, tackle. I mean, like I think he's. You could play him at right tackle, and I think you could easily play him as an emergency left tackle. Right. Um, I think at the end of the day, where he's best suited maybe not necessarily because of his skill set but because he seems to be a really bright dude as well is at center um he held it down when he he was playing that at at k-state um but when he got moved to tackle like he played against some good dudes at k-state and he got it done um another dude that now that we're talking big 12 here that i just got jump started with my mind um charles amenahu from texas had a really good week too and he's got that Quentin Copel's 6'6", 275 
kind of build, um, you know, strong side defensive end with some pass rushing upside. Um, supposedly he had a really nice week too. Yeah. Just getting back to Dalton Risner. I love the name and it's funny how we kept the old coaching staff in Miami. He would have been an ideal guy because they'd love to just move that coaching staff will just love to move offensive linemen all over the place. And he's actually a guy who could handle it. So yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes down. Uh, we, Probably try to get, wrap this up in eight minutes or so. So you want to talk Super Bowl? I mean, we have to. Yeah, Super Bowl yeah, week. We gotta. Atlanta. I finished. Um, we do. We have like a little Super Bowl party at work the Friday prior to the game, and um, I I make the trivia. So because I did the trivia the first year, and it was just like a bloodbath. So at that point, I did it the next year, and it was like because I mean a lot of the people on the team are girls, so you try to get a lot of like pop culture stuff in there so everyone has like a really good time so and it's not just for the people who just want to talk about stats or whatnot i just wanted to pat myself on the back with that because i'm really proud of myself that i finished it um so okay interesting championship games obviously but also in terms of the chiefs game absolutely what i expected it came down to a coin toss and then whoever got the ball you had to figure was going to was going to win because Kansas City's offense is that good and their defense is that bad. That said, though, uh, this is an interesting matchup in that Wade Phillips is one of the few dudes out there who has had success against Tom Brady. And if not. You know, a guy you can really stop for all four quarters, you don't expect that to happen. I mean, Tom Brady's just too good. But, I mean, it seems like Wade can get after him and kind of manipulate some of the tendencies that, that Tom Brady exhibits and also disguise a lot of the stuff that Tom Brady is looking for for the defense. So uh, what do you think? Like, my picks when we did this like past couple of weeks were such trash that I don't even want to pick this game. I will, but I don't want to. But what do you think? Like, if you could go ahead and just break it down, like, what do you think it's going to come down to between these two teams? Well, I think something that we talked about before when we were talking draft defensive linemen was important. I think if there's one team that can generate face pressure and face pressure consistently in the NFL right now, it is the Rams. I mean, you know, Brady didn't like having Sue in Miami, so he's not going to like having him now when half the time he's getting single looks. Um, And then you're double teaming Aaron Donald, which – really doesn't matter um like unless you're gonna commit two interior linemen and that that running back to back them up um you're probably gonna have a bad time um with that said again the the edge pressure kind of worries me from the rams um but wade phillips isn't afraid to dial up some some weird stuff he'll send a corner at you um you know especially since they have mark Barron that plays that that money backer kind of role um, he'll send him in some funky ways. He'll put him on the edge, especially in like two, two, five looks and stuff like that. So I think if there's a team that can hit the paths where they don't like to be hit, it'll be versus, uh, the Rams here with that said, I think the Pats defense is also, I don't think they're a great defense this year. Um, I think Flores has done a nice job kind of making chicken salad out of chicken shit here. Um, For sure. But I I think at the end of the day, they're experienced enough as a defense 
that they can get the job done. And again, it's going to come down to can if they can get to Brady, then I think it's a, a lower scoring game than people will anticipate. But if the Rams defense can't get the job done on, especially their corners, if they can't get the job done and get them off the field on long third downs, I I, I got to go with the Pats. It's it's hard not to. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It It's too bad Cooper Cup's hurt because it'd be really yeah. nice to have that guy in there with uh, Cooks and Woods, especially because I think you're you're looking to force a matchup in whoever JC Jackson gets in terms of an assignment. I I mean that's a guy you gotta target because Stefan Gilmore has been playing really, really well. But I mean the Pats are always going to throw stuff at you that you're you're not expecting. So very curious to see what happens there. And yeah, their defense, it's weird because you look at their their crew and you think like, I mean, I mean, you get some good players there, but I mean they just they find ways to get it done. So you want to make a I think one of my bigger uh, concerns there is that I, I don't know if the Rams defense has anybody to match up against Gronk, to be honest. No. Like they don't they don't have a tight end stopper. Cause let's be honest, too, in their division, I mean, great Kittle, you're you're just gonna give it up to Kittle. Like if there's two games a year that we gotta give it up to a tight end, fine. But other than that, you know, there's nobody in Arizona, you know, there's nobody in Seattle anymore, so they they haven't had to build a defense with a, a, a tight end stopper in mind. So if somebody does some magical damage for the Pats offense, I think it'll be Gronk. Yeah. I mean, that's just a bad matchup for them. And you wonder, I mean, it's not going to be Joyner in there. I mean, they've got they've got some talented defensive backs who are off the radar. Like, I mean, Johnson has played really well. Uh, I mean, I think Joyner is the guy they franchise, isn't he? So... Yeah, they they franchise Joiner and Joiner's Joiner's been awesome since he came out of Florida State. You know, he's another one of those guys that was too small to do anything. He'll just be a nickel guy, but like he he's played that new free safety nickel kind of to role and like as much as people credit um uh Tyron Matthew with that that birth of that new, you know, flex nickel slash free safety position. LaMarcus Joyner did a lot for that position as well and kind of creating it and paving the way. Yeah, and he's tiny. So, and he's not a big dude at all. And you have to you have to think a dude they don't have anymore, but somebody who probably would have been an ideal, well maybe not ideal, but the guy you're you're going to use to try to s- slow down Gronk, not stop him, but slow him down. Would have been like a guy like Tremaine Johnson, right? A guy who will at least like step up and punch him a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, but at that point, you know, if Tremaine Johnson is in the mix, you probably don't have Peters or Talib. So, you're who are you putting at at, at boundary at that point, oh, no, you know? So, it, it would have been a tough call regardless. No, we're just talking hypotheticals anyway. Um, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's only a few guys in the league where you look at and think, yeah, that guy can, can go ahead and uh, sit on Gronk a little bit and we'll see what happens. So, it's tough to hold down that that combination of size and athleticism and strength that he has. Uh, you want to make a final prediction? I'm gonna throw a score out there. Um, I am gonna say it's gonna be twenty four twenty three nail biter Rams. Oh wow, my picks have been terrible. I admit, I'm going. 36 28 LA. 
I think okay. I think that I like that. I think it's L A would be would be wise to not score fast in this game. I mean, they can. And I think that New England's defense is going to present problems for them, especially early. I think that there's you're, there's always a feel feeling out period in the Super Bowl anyway. Um, you think about that one when it was Atlanta and New England. I think that it was scoreless after the first quarter, and I know that because I won my square that year and I had zero zero. <laughs> so I mean that's just, I mean that was obviously a, a extreme example, but you, you always have a feeling out period where before teams start throwing haymakers at each other. And um, I'm just curious to see, like, you know, if L.A. can go ahead and find a rhythm, you know, keep Tom Brady on the sideline. You know, you can have faith in your defense. You have Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips is obviously one of the best to ever do it. Uh, You know, in Denver, uh, in that championship game in the AFC a couple of years ago, just hammered Tom Brady. But the thing is, I mean, Von Miller is not playing in this game. You know, but the thing is, is, I mean, Aaron Donald is, Dominican Sue is, Michael Brockers is. I mean, those guys are all very, very talented interior rushers. And I mean, you can put them on the outside if you want. So I don't know. I'm going 36 28. Um, I don't know why. I, and the Super Bowl always has like a stupid score. Like some, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. really weird. I would love to see a study on why that happens. So, team. last. One last quick question for you. If if the Rams decide to grind the ball a little bit and try to just play keep Tom Brady off the field ball, who do you think has more carries? Gurley or um CJ Anderson? Oh my god. C Anderson, yeah. Um so in that, all right, so interesting thing about that. CJ Anderson has historically given the Pats problems. Um but the thing is, is I mean, you want to dance with the one who who brung you, as they say. And I mean, Todd Gurley went healthy. I mean, the offense goes through him. You know, all their play action is designed with. I mean, that guy's going to always hook off to the the flat, and then based on what the the offense does, or based on what the defense does, I mean, they either will toss it to him and let him try to work some yards after the catch. Or if the teams bite on it, they're going to go ahead and try to get their receivers involved, you know, and try to hit Woods in space or Cooks or, you know, when Cup was healthy. One thing I didn't talk about, actually, and I think will be a problem for New England, <clears throat> uh, the tight ends for L.A. Because I, yep. I thought that they made a big difference against uh, New Orleans. And New Orleans is talented at all three phases of the, the defense. But Everett and Higby, I thought, were big-time contributors in that game. Like, Everett moves really well in space. You saw in that last drive, like, Higby was a total safety valve for um, for Goff. So I think that, that that's a little bit of um, throwing it in um, New England's direction in terms of, let's see how you guys can stop this. So um, all of that's to say, I mean, I, I don't know. Sean McVay's a smart guy. I think that if Todd Gurley's healthy... You got to go ahead and put them out there because you think the other side of it is maybe you're pulling out the rug from New England a little bit in terms of, I mean, they're going to game plan to shut down someone. And when the, the, the whole offense runs through Todd Gurley, you have to assume they're going to game plan for Todd Gurley. So what can CJ Anderson do? So I, I don't know. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the underdog. I think CJ Anderson gets more carries. Fair enough. But I won't be surprised if it's Todd Gurley because I think even if he's healthy, I think Sean McVay is going to try to assert his will a little bit. And even though, I mean, I wouldn't say grind it out. I mean, just maybe a little bit more tempered 
in terms of of how they play. But I can't imagine Sean McVay thinking like, you know, don't score if you, if you don't have to. I mean, that guy is just absolutely balls to the wall when it comes to offense. So they're going to look to hurt this team in terms of the the scoreboard. So I think they're going to try to, especially early, you know, because at that point, then if New England's feeling it a little bit and you can get let Aaron Donald get involved, um, let you know, let those um physical corners that they have in Talib and in Marcus Peters, let those guys assert their will a little bit and, you know, maybe try to to manhandle New England at the line of scrimmage a little bit, try to beat down those receivers when they're coming off the line. Cause I mean that's what you have to with New England. If you give Edelman Hogan a free a free release, if you give Gronk a free release, I mean it's over. So I don't know. There's so many little storylines in this game. It's fascinating. It's also maddening when you think about it because, I mean, that's why New England's just so good. They're so smart. So, I don't know. Well, it's not quite 40 minutes. It's almost 45, but not bad. We're getting so much better. At this. We, we did well. We did well for sure. did well. It's just easier to get the show going, get it out. And plus, we have a new, um, a new uh, I guess you'd say, like, a, um, it's not quite a platform, but it's what we're able to use to upload this show. So we have a new engine. That's what I was looking for. We were using Art19. We've moved on to something else. So that, that's just a, a little wrinkle for this week. No one will notice except us, of course. But, I mean, just a little insight into what we do. Uh, so um, if that's it and you don't have anything else to share for this week, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, thanks to everyone for uh, tuning in. I mean, we say tonight, but this will go ahead and air a couple couple days after we've done it. So thanks for uh, checking out our show. Hopefully um, you go ahead and come back as we continue to put these shows out into the offseason. We'll start to preview the prospects we really like, the guys we are not so crazy about. We'll get really heavy into pre-combine, um, pre-pro day stuff, uh, all the way up to the draft. And then things really fall off the face of the earth and life is terrible for... <clears throat> You know, was it four months? So uh, for Zach, thanks for uh, tuning in and uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, go Rams. It goes without saying. Uh, have a great night and uh, we'll see you next week.